Jaguars played on Thursday night this week. That means we had a free weekend. What do you guys do on a Sunday when you don't have Jags football? Uh, I was traveling because I went to the Navy Air Force game on Saturday for my son's official recruiting visit. I actually, for the first time in, in years, I actually did watch football all day Sunday. So uh, that was the Ozone Sunday. There you go. Welcome to Jags AM here on this Monday as we get ready to look back a little bit at Thursday Night Football, but also we get to kind of preview the week ahead. And we had a weekend off, which was nice. I know you guys traveling a little bit, enjoying football, maybe What'd you some do? Jags fans got to watch Red Zone. I went to Connecticut for a little bit um, to see some family, and then I missed a little Red Zone time because I was in the airport, but I did get back and get into it because it's always nice to kind of just sit on the couch and you know not be fully invested but still kind of pay attention to everything right yeah. it's to be a little bit of a fan the great nice thing about us. red zone is i got home in time for the second set of games uh -huh. but i felt like i saw every game because they kept going and showing highlights right mm -hmm. when you watch red zone you feel as if you saw everything even though you didn't see every play of every game you feel like you saw enough Definitely, and it's a feature we unfortunately, uh, not unfortunately, fortunately for us because we get to cover the team. We don't get to take part in always, so it's always fun when we get to do that. But the Jags were in primetime on Thursday. We're going to start with our big things. Our first big thing is primetime because they were under the lights in New Orleans in that Thursday night matchup. And maybe it wasn't exactly going to a game plan, but they did get the win. And Trevor talked about, you know, it didn't go to plan, but they did get the W. And I just think it was good for our team today to, you know, we kind of, we jumped on them early and it looked like we could maybe run away with it and put them away and that's what we were all thinking. That's what I was hoping for. Maybe I can get out a little early and we can get a lead and, you know, that's, it's NFL, it doesn't really work like that usually. So they come storming back and it put us in a position where we had to make plays down the stretch and that's, that's something that builds your team is when you see guys make the plays when they have to and we score when we have to and the defense gets a stop on fourth down when they have to. It's game on the line. That builds confidence in the team more than blowing a team out. So, um, you know, that was cool to see. And that was cool to be a part of. And just the overall belief in each other that we uh, that we have right now, it's, it's awesome. Brian Trevor's talking a little bit about, oh, maybe this is a game where we can get out to a lead early. I can get out of the game, you know, because I'm dealing with the knee thing. And yep. Things never go to plan. So what did you learn about the team? Well, forget about the plan. In a short week, you know, the third game in, what, 13 days. Uh, getting the win is the plan. And what you learn is that there is a depth a resiliency to this team that they can have some success and then see some of that success erode in the second half and still with you know 343 or whatever the, the number was on the clock make a play you know with 13 seconds left make a play in the end zone they, they had enough in the tank um, when quite honestly it's not out of out of a reasonable expectation that the tank would be empty yeah you guys are gonna get tired of hearing it today um, <laughs> I thought it was a pretty win I mean I, I yeah I guess the way I see Thursday night football is there is no plan, yeah. no matter when you play it. If you, if, you, if you watch any Thursday night games, teams never look like they look in other games in those games. Uh, it is not a great setup for seeing quality football. I understand the money part of it, but I, I think most coaches look at it like, look, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at this one, and if we come out with a win, we're ecstatic. Um, so I thought the fact that they won, I can't, all week long, or the three days long, I kept saying, as long as you win, this is a really, really impressive win. 
So that they got it, I'm not going to go back on that and say, oh, I didn't like the way the offense played in the second half. They've won four straight, four different stadiums. Mm-hmm. You know, um, 19 days, I think they said. Three cities, two continents, six time zones. Absolutely. If you're a Jags fan, it didn't get any better than that. Nope. I think considering the conditions on Thursday as well, I was more surprised some of the good things they were doing right because I was Absolutely. expecting they'd find a way, but uh, I was more surprised how well they did early on. Um, our second big thing this week is going to be the comeback. Not necessarily the Saints comeback, but the comeback the Jags have had these last four games, as we mentioned. They've been one of the best teams in football, at least from what we've seen, and they haven't even hit their stride yet. Christian Kirk talked a little bit about what this team's been able to do lately. Yeah, you know, I think it shows – a lot about the character, the professionalism in our room, um, not shying away from adversity. Uh, you know, before we went over to London, you know, we were, we were pretty down on ourselves. Um, but all it took was just us kind of banding together, um, growing even closer, and just all we needed was one, and we knew, you know, the floodgates are kind of open. So I like where we're at right now. Like I said, we, we definitely have a lot of work to do, but the fact that we are able to turn around and, you know, play four games in 19 days and be able to be on, you know, 4-0 is, is, says a lot about our team. Christian's certainly one of the leaders in the locker room, John, but just the mentality of this team, it feels different because, you know, when they were in that stretch with the Chiefs and the Texans game, it's almost like they were just so stressed and, like, they felt like they couldn't win, and now it feels like we'll find a way. Well, I think there's an element, too. When you're in a stretch like that, you're trying to figure out what's going on, and I think maybe as much as anything during that time, sometimes in the NFL you lose. I mean, Mm -hmm. the last team to go undefeated was 50 years ago, and that's not walking through the door again. So, uh... I guess I just look at this team, every email I get, it seems right now, is trying to find the flaw. Everybody's trying to outsmart themselves. They've won four straight games. They haven't trailed in the second half in any of those games. In the NFL, you know, it, I keep getting emails about, well, they can't protect leads. They haven't trailed. Yeah, exactly. They haven't trailed. The only time they trailed was 3 nothing against the Colts, and they hadn't had the ball yet. You can't protect leads better than this team is protecting them right now. No. It's professional football. When you're up 15 in the second half, you know what's going to happen sometimes? Sometimes you're going to get tied. And they responded to that. Well, Tarek Brown. Look, it's not perfect, but it's sort of my hot take. Yeah, I, oh, yeah, I'm worked up. Yeah, I'm good. I am worked uh, up. Good. So, uh, I mean, my Tarek Brown. Yeah. For goodness sakes. Who struggled mightily against the Colts came back and made the play that sealed the win. Two you know, plays, actually. Yeah, no, mean, no, no doubt. He made a couple plays. of plays. He made a couple of plays. But so my take on this at this point, Kai and John, we talked about it. You know, there was this sense the Jaguars just kind of pick up where they left off last year, and they'd be better than they were at the end of last year because they had Calvin Ridley and the offense was ready to soar, and it, it didn't start that way. So what we have is a team that's evolving still, right? They didn't play great football at the end of last year. What they did was find a way to win games at the end. You know, they, remember they were down 27-7 at the half. They needed that big play from Rayshon and Josh to beat the Titans to even get to the playoffs. So I think when we look back, we're there where the season ends. I think we'll look at this stretch, you know, from London to New Orleans, as we talked about, you know, three cities, four stadiums, six time zones, two continents. We'll look at this as that point where evolution changes, and that's my hot take, so I don't want to go too far on it, other than to say that where they are right now from where they were when they left for London is dramatically different, and it's really impressive. I think one of the most impressive things is they kind of do it a little bit differently in every game. Obviously, the defense has been very consistent, but they find ways to make things work. Gritty, not pretty, if you will, is our final big thing this week. Foye Luikin trying to describe exactly what this team is. 
That's just who we are as this team, bro. Like, we ain't got no Hollywood people on this team. We're all gritty. Uh, we, like I'm saying, we're fighters. Uh, Trevor coming out and fighting for us. We're going to fight for him, fight for our brother next to us. I appreciate him. I told him that every drive when he started running and stuff. I said, dang, you know, I got to start going. I came in, took a five-hour energy. I said, I got to do more. Uh, and I appreciate him. I appreciate everybody. Trevor with that knee injury was one of our big stories this week. Him going out and playing and playing the way he did inspired his teammates. Many of them will tell you that. What does that mean to, and how does that bring a team together, Brian? Well, I mean, when you have the quarterback, right? I mean, you heard uh, Jonathan Allen yesterday in the locker room, you know, when Washington lost to New York, talking about, you know, seven years of this stuff. He didn't use the word stuff, if you heard that. Um, they don't have a quarterback, and, and, and they don't have anybody they can rally around. And so you've got the defense against the offense. Look, everybody here in Jacksonville can rally around this quarterback. They know they've got their guy. It helps lift everyone's level of performance when you have someone like that. And I think it bears saying, John, when you think, you know, gritty, not pretty. Wait, was Kansas City pretty yesterday? No, Kansas City was not pretty yesterday. Was Philadelphia pretty yesterday? No, Philadelphia wasn't pretty yesterday. I'm not sure that we're going to see that from San Francisco tonight. Maybe the only pretty offense yesterday, the pretty team, was the Ravens. And they weren't pretty the last time they were out. And that's just the league. It's a gritty league. John talked about you know having a lead and holding it in the fourth quarter. Uh, who cares whether it's ugly or not? If you hold it, you win. Yeah, I, I think this team is worlds better than it was late last year. Um, I'm worked up. Okay. <laughs> Do you want us to take a break so you can get ready for your hot take? Any more you coffee? had four days um, to calm down, John, and now you're getting all worked well, up again. It's <laughs> late last year, in the last uh, six of their last eight games, they had to come from a touchdown down to win. Yeah. Uh, this team has trailed by a total of three points in four games. Uh, where is it not better? Yeah. I mean, it's um, you are not going to have games in the NFL where, very often where they're like Trevor was sort of talking about in his presser, where you get up and you're 38-17, you're kneeling on the ball, on the ball at the end. It's such a league of plays and moments that if you get that 14-point lead, I thought Doug a little bit, you know, oh, they took their foot off the gas. You play percentages to try to get the win. Um, they never trailed. The Saints tied them, then they played good defense, and then they went down and made the play of the game at the, at the end. That's how you build playoff pushes, is wins like that. Yep. All right, we're going to come back a little bit. We won't go over full highlights, but some of our game-changing moments, some of the top plays from Thursday Night Football. Welcome back. Sign up your furry friend for the Jaguars' official four-legged fan club for pets presented by Forever Vets Animal Hospital. Your pet will receive access to exclusive merchandise, events, and sweepstakes throughout the 2023 season. Visit jaguars.com slash promotions slash four-legged fan club for you to sign up today. Welcome back to Jags AM here presented by CarShield in the Hyundai Studios. And we've had a weekend off. We're very refreshed. Um, I'm sure you guys have seen all the highlights. And if you stayed up late, you saw it live and all the drama that went down in New Orleans. But we're going to go over some of the key moments for us and things that we'll probably remember long past this week. And I think the first one's got to be Foye Lewican getting his pick six, his first touchdown, he said, since high school. He didn't have one in college and hasn't had one so far in the NFL because it's definitely not an easy thing to get in the NFL. But, John, he's been everywhere. He's led the league in tackles two years in a row. And what does he mean to this defense? Well, he he's really, really important. Um, I think he, he's got a shot at the Pro Bowl this year. I think and so, too. I think this plays a big reason why, because of the, of the dynamic of Pro Bowl voting, 
this play isn't why he's great. Uh, he's really, really good because he, he's so consistent tackling. You trust him implicitly, but he's one, I mean, he's uh, been the leading tackler two years in a row. I think he's got a really good chance to do it again. A primetime play like this all of a sudden gets your name out there a little more. So this could be what catapults him there. And if it, and if it does, he's a really, really productive player. Uh, he's the kind of guy that deserves to go to the Pro Bowl once or twice in his career. And he's better than he was last year. Uh -huh. I mean, he has, you know, he came in, you know, he led the Falcons in his final season in Atlanta in tackles and led the league in tackles with Atlanta. And he came right in and he did the same thing last year. But there were some, there were some moments where he missed some tackles last year. I haven't seen him miss a tackle this year. Even when he's, he's the guy that's knocking his legs out underneath and grabbing for someone else to pull him down, he makes the play. Anytime you see 23, he makes the play. Yeah, you get the idea. I, I, I haven't really talked to Foy about this, but I would guess that he is able to play a little faster, yeah. A, being in, in the scheme an extra year, and I think Devin Lloyd is much more aware now. Yeah, he doesn't so I don't think Foy has to make up for that the way you do with any rookie. Uh, so I think that's helping for you, I would guess. At, when you talk about free agent signings, you know, he is as good as you could find. Christian Kirk was big, Zay Jones was big, Roy Robertson Harris has turned out to be good. Evan this, wasn't bad. Yeah, Evan was, yeah, right. I know, there's a lot of options. Uh, yeah, but, but this guy's as good as a free agent as they've had in Jacksonville. I think he's great as well because he makes others better, right? Yeah. Just leadership alone, the trust factor you have to have on defense. You can tell the people around him are getting better because of his influence. Well, and he, he plays, right? He's a middle linebacker and he's leading your team to tackles. I mean, those guys get banged up. He's always there. He's yeah, never on the down, injury report. Yeah. He's always on the practice field. He's exactly the kind of guy you want leading your defense and on your salary cap because you get what you pay for. Absolutely. Another big play, uh, although you wouldn't know from what Al Michaels' call of it was, uh, was Christian Kirk's mm -hmm. go-ahead touchdown yeah. late. Um, just to see what he's been able to do. Obviously, his connection with Trevor, but just he said he doesn't think he's ran that fast since college, maybe. Um, but just to get around and find the end zone on that one was pretty impressive. Well, look, they are an offense run. There's been so much talk about why didn't Calvin really get the ball. Um, well, because they have players like this to also get the ball. Uh, this was a huge play at a huge moment. It, it sort of goes back to what you were talking about, Brian. Christian Kirk. Lewicon, Zay Jones. What struck you last year was that these guys felt like they had been with this franchise their whole career the day they walked in the door. Yep. You're so used to their Jaguars players, their core players. Christian Kirk is, is just ultra, ultra reliable, ultra smart. Um, he's the kind of guy you sort of expect to make plays like this. Um, it, it was an outstanding play, and I'll go back to what I was saying about the offense. Um, everybody's talking right now about what the offense isn't. The offense made huge plays late against Buffalo to win that game. They made a huge play to win this game. They made a huge play to win the Colts game in uh, week one. Worry about what they're doing in big moments. Yeah. Uh, more than what, if they're sporadic in the third quarter, they're making plays when they have to. This was a huge play that for years this team didn't make. And everybody forgets about this because they went X of X on, on third downs. Big plays and big moments. Do you remember on opening day in Indianapolis when Christian Kirk was a complete non-factor? Right? I mean, everyone, Calvin Ridley got all the balls. Mm -hmm. um, well, here we are. It's and Christian Kirk, every game. Christian, right. it, Christian Kirk is that guy. And you would expect that if on Sunday in Pittsburgh he has two catches for 36 yards, he'll be the same guy even post-game locker room that he was after the win in New Orleans. 
He is a tremendous person as well as a tremendous player. And you know, you just, you got to give the general manager and the head coach a lot of credit for the players that they brought in here last year because for this offense to be performing at such a high level, even, even without performing at this high level as we expect them to, but what they've done the last four weeks, Christian Kirk is an excellent example of a guy who's overpaid, right? <laughs> right? Listen, I mean, attitude are you kidding? Alone, attitude alone, not to mention what he does on the field. Because when you see some of these other players, Stefan Diggs smashing tablets, you see Derek Carr calling right. out his offensive coordinator. Um, to, fa- to not have that drama and to have gone through wow. what they've gone through, that can do a lot and for he, a team. He and the quarterback clearly have a special relationship worth every penny. Well, the chemistry there, and I know we're moving Everything. on. Um, you know about the, uh, the smashing tablets and um, you get the idea that Zay and Christian, and I think Calvin fits into this pretty well for being a new guy. Evan, if one of them smashed a tablet, the other three would be like, "What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? Right. We don't like it." Would be so out of place that it would be weird. Um, so. I think they'd be uncomfortable doing it because it would sort of make you look like, oh, come on now, that's not what we do here. Which is cool. Yeah, it's so. set the diva like less that. a term because they have no They're divas. They're diva less. They're diva less. Pretty great. All right, let's also talk about that goal line stand. We got to give Buster Brown or Monteric Brown his shout out because he was getting thrown at. Ball was going his way a lot, but he came up big when he needed to in the end there. And I know there was that one touchdown drop right beforehand, but that whole goal line stand, I mean, they they held what they needed to hold. And part of that was Derek Carr not being able to get anything going, but that was because the defense made things really difficult for them. You know, he struggled uh, against Michael Pittman. And Michael Pittman is a big, tall receiver, and he's not a big, tall corner, but he has a lot of confidence. And I spent time with him in the locker room last week, and he reminded me that he led the SEC in interceptions his senior year at Arkansas. He knows how to play the ball. And I was impressed last week with his calm demeanor and his real studious approach to the game. For a young guy who's gonna go in there and get his first start in prime time against Michael Thomas and Chris Olave. I mean, he's an impressive kid and hopefully he continues to get opportunities to develop. Yeah, he made big plays and big moments. And, and to me, in this day and age, that's what defense is. You don't shut opponents down because the league doesn't want you to shut offenses down right now. But if you make plays in the big moments, then you're a good player. Um, the, I did get some emails. Well, it would have been tied had that guy just caught the ball for the Saints. There's yeah. a lot of would-haves. Look, uh, Kai <laughs> was around the, the Patriots forever. Uh, the Patriots had tons of games during their run where the other team could have done this. There's elements in the NFL nobody plays perfectly. You have to take advantage of that kind of break when you get it and make the play on the next play. Uh, I can think of many Jaguars teams that would have gotten that break on third down and the quarterback would have walked in on a quarterback draw. On fourth down, yeah. On fourth down, and it's 34-31 in overtime, and you're like, oh, same old, you know. So, again, let's worry about what the Jaguars are doing. Right. They're not flawless, but they're 5-2, and and they've won four games in a row, and they're making plays, and that's what – that's what you build playoff runs on are moments like that. I just want to go back and point out one thing for people who see this highlight again. His sense of the ball, right? Because he engages Olave and pushes him outside. And then it's like the clock in his head goes off and he turns back That's to the time. inside. Yeah. If he had waited a second longer, Olave may have gotten that ball. But his sense of what to do in the passing game, fine-tuned, obviously, but, but created at Arkansas, yeah. fine-tuned here, he turned back to the ball. He's a, 
again, he's one of those young jars on the shelf, a guy that you need when Tyson Campbell's out. Hopefully you don't have to play with Tyson on the sideline very long, but you feel a lot more comfortable when you have a guy like Monteric. Well, he's a guy all of a sudden next year when you can't keep everybody because of the cap. Yep. Uh, I don't know that he'll play a lot when Tyson comes back, but you don't feel bad about him if he has to play in the future yeah. now. And that's what you have to have out of low round draft picks at some point. Um, at some point, those guys have to be playing in their third and fourth year. He and Gregory Jr. were picked almost back to back in the sixth and seventh rounds, and they have a lot of, of, uh, of the hope of excitement for what Gregory Jr. can be too. It says a lot about where this team's at right now because they're drafting. These guys can work on things, whether it's practice squad or playing behind someone else. And then when their you know number is called, they're ready to step into that role. And that's part of my hot take, so I won't get too, too into that as well. But we're going to come back, have our full hot takes on this Jaguars team that's 5-2. and two. Jags fans, you need to head to Publix located at E-Town Exchange tomorrow to meet Jacksonville Jaguars players for a special appearance from 5 to 6. Again, that's the Publix as an E-Town Parkway in Jacksonville on Tuesday. That's tomorrow, October 24th from 5 to 6. You can meet some of the Jaguars players, especially good time to meet them after they've been playing so well. We all have similar hot takes, but they're all a little bit different. So, Brian, I'll let you go first. All right. Um, so, I... I, I click on the clickbait on the power rankings on Tuesday, even though oh, I rail against them. It's just opinion. And I, but you know, when you, the last couple of weeks I've looked at the top five or six teams and I, yeah, okay. I mean, those are all the five, top five or six teams. And then the Jaguars come in at, at seven, right? Um, and it makes sense to me, except yesterday it didn't. I looked at every team and I come away with the conclusion that the Jags are as good as any team in the league, right? I mean, Kansas City has the best quarterback, but they struggled with the Chargers who are not that good this year. It took them until the fourth quarter to put that one away. The Eagles didn't look all that great. The Dolphins scored 70, but since then, what have they done? And you look at the teams that they've beaten. I mean, don't get me wrong, they have real speed. They're really good, but they're not that much better than the Jaguars. Uh, you know, the only team that was really good yesterday was the Ravens. And of course, it was probably Lamar's best game. Um, but will, he, will they do that next week, right? They've had their down moments this year too. I think that there's a clear delineation, you know, between the top seven or eight teams in this league and the Jaguars are in it. And they played the Chiefs tough. They beat the Bills. We got the Bengals coming up and the Ravens later in the year. So we're going to see. But I leave, you know, week seven behind thinking the Jaguars are as good as any team in the league. Yeah, I'm with you. I think that I think they're clearly in the top seven. Philadelphia's lines are really impressive. Yeah, they are. Yep. Uh, Patrick Mahomes is Patrick Mahomes. And I think San Francisco... I would put those three teams maybe a smidge, but I'm not saying the Jaguars can't go beat any of those teams. Right. I, I just think those teams right now, to me, I, I will be surprised if one of those three teams isn't holding the trophy at the end of the year. But I don't think, but I would not be shocked if the Jaguars are in that mix. Especially either. based on what they just did. Yeah. I mean, winning four in a row. Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah. that, that's why I left thinking. What they did was so impressive, John. Right. It makes your point that they can go do it. There's nobody that you look at and go, well, they, they can't beat them. Right, exactly. And, and you're in the mix. For sure. um, I went with... Please do. You're going to start a fight. I'm already excited. They're good. Deal with it. Um, <laughs> you, you guys would be stunned. Uh, I don't think I would be. Here's my email subject. Trevor's a game manager. Um, Calvin Ridley's a bust. Uh, they can't protect leads. Well, 
all Trevor's doing right now is making plays in the end of games to win. Yeah. Calvin Ridley, without him, do you win week one or the Bills? Oh. I don't think you win either of those no. games. So if you, if you do the math, Calvin Ridley has mattered in two of their five wins where I'm not sure you win without him. So to me, he contributes. And the whole, the whole protecting leads thing is driving me up the wall. Can't protect leads. You have not trailed since you lost to the Houston Texans. Jaguars fans for 16 years haven't been five and two, Brian. They're adapting well. It's, I like this. It's been, yeah. it's been the abyss of football here a lot for a decade and a half. Um, this is what you waited for to be five and two, yeah. to be good, to be able to go win games in clutch moments. Um, I don't know if they'll win a Super Bowl. You're not guaranteed Super Bowls. I hope they do, but these are the good times. Enjoy them. These are the good times. Uh, I have a friend who's a sports psychologist. Maybe, maybe we could get him on. Um, I, I, it stuns me that people are not just enjoying this, right? It doesn't mean This that, is what they waited for. Oh, yeah. And, and if you understand the NFL, and clearly some people don't, some people still think this is college football. It's just played yeah. on Sundays as opposed to Saturdays. And the Gators or the Bulldogs or Alabama or choose your team, Michigan, USC. If you don't win by 47 points, then, I mean, how are you going to climb in the polls, right? It doesn't matter at all. And real football fans know that. It matters that you win and that you get, you get better as the season goes along. And Doug even spoke to that after the game uh, very quickly when he was talking about uh, the blowout thing. He said, it's just not, you know, teams are too good to blow them out. And I think he feels that as a head coach and a play caller, meaning in the second half of games, even when you're up, even when they were up on Thursday by 15 points, right. did you feel like they had dominated the game? Not like they were up by seven and then you get the break, which is the interception return. And I think Doug at that point is like, okay, we're probably not dominant in this game. Let's manage this and get out of here. Right. As opposed to, you know, so I think coaches, when they're trying to call games and manage it, maybe have a feel for that a little better than fans of, right. okay, we're not really going to blow this team out. So let's make sure we win it and not worry about scoreboard pageantry. Hey, just another example yesterday. How about, did, did you think that the Gardner Minshew-led Colts who turned the ball <laughs> over endless amounts of time here and there, and, and there right, yeah. would be able to play with the Cleveland Browns defense. How are they going to score? And yet they put up over 400 yards on, on a defense that's as good as there is in the NFL. It's talented. If you watch the game, you know exactly what I'm saying. Uh, it's a weak, it's, weak it's a week. Win however you can win. 100%. Win however you can win. Remember, the Arizona Cardinals are now 1-6, but they beat the Dallas Cowboys. I don't understand anything anymore. Any given Sunday for sure. Yep. Um, my hot take is it's time to go all in. I agree with everything you guys have said so far. This team is very firmly in the mix and that means you need to add whatever you need to add. The trade deadline's coming up next Tuesday. If it's pass rush, do it. Go out and get your guy. They have 10 to 11 draft picks next year. I don't need to see another year where they get 14 plus draft picks in there. This team is 
at a good spot where they're at. And if it takes draft picks to get somebody, even if it's a rental for a year, I think you need to do that. It's hard to get to five and two. It's hard to get within that mix where we're at a point now where I feel the Jaguars have the, I don't go into a game and say they have no chance. They always have a chance. And now that we're there, we need to give every little piece of ammunition that you can give. And I think for this team, it might be the adding a pass rusher. If somehow you can get somebody on offensive line, do that, but just add to those holes so that they're ready. When it gets to that point, they have all the players that they need. I think that you're right. Um, which is different for me because I don't like mortgaging the future of the salary cap. You've got Trevor, you've got um, Tyson, you've probably got Josh Allen, you may have Calvin Ridley, uh, Andre Sisco. You've got a lot of your own guys that mm -hmm. you're going to pay. So if you're going to trade something away, you're going to want to make sure you, you do the deal right, which is up to them, so that you're not just renting, right? Um, and, and they're going to be tied against the cap next year. 2025, it kicks up. But I'm with you. I think at this point, if there's an opportunity to go and swing for the fences, why not? I think that'd be the right opportunity. I mean, it, it's it, it's going to be a huge topic, and it's going to be pass rusher, pass rusher, pass rusher. Um, they'll look at it, yeah. but they also have to realize that you've got Trevor Lawrence in his third year. Um, they want this to be a 12-more-year thing with him. They don't feel like their window closes after this right. year. So I don't know that they push every chip in if they think it's going to hurt them down the road. And it's got to be the right fit. I mean, it can't be a guy who comes in and doesn't fit what this team is right now. So, you know, if it's there, I want them to do it. But I, they have to be smart about it, and I think they will. Well, and, and who saw the Christian McCaffrey trade coming last year, right? Um, I don't know that I would have identified running back as that need, for the San Francisco 49ers, but it meant everything to them. And obviously, he's been a great player for them. So if it is that guy, and I don't know whether it's the 100 guy in Minnesota or, or whoever it is that you're talking about, if it is that guy that you can then push out into three, four, five years from now when the cap is big, uh, then go, you know, and swing. Jaguars have done this before in their history. They've, you know, traded for Reagan Upshaw. Remember in 99, they, they had a great team, but they thought they needed just that one. He didn't do anything, and he was just a rental, so they didn't get anything from it make sure you're going to get something from it. We'll have to see what they do. We like to predict these things, but we never really know. All right, stay with us. We'll preview what we've got coming up the rest of the week. Move the freight, move the freight. Magellan Transport voted the coolest office space in Jacksonville. You can apply online at MagellanLogistics.com. Also, Jags fans, if you want customized Jaguars furniture for your home, check out ZipChair.com to browse all customizable options. ZipChair is furniture for fans. So we had a little bit of a long weekend off. Now we're back here for this week, and then it's the bye week. So we are looking forward to that game against the Steelers, and kind of, is this where you expected the team to be at, or are, you, are they above where you were hoping they'd be at around this probably a little season? above. I mean, if I had an objective perspective on it at the beginning of the season, I, I thought they might be four and three, um, you know, not knowing the London thing. Uh, so they're a little ahead. Plus, the four games that they've won, through all the circumstances we've said six times, is really, really impressive to me. So I'd say they're ahead of where I thought they'd be. Yeah, and I think it's it's a real opportunity. Um, I don't know that the Steelers are great, but they're pretty good. And they got a game record. So it's another opportunity for the Jags, really. Y you feel like they've put the Colts where you can keep in the re in the rear view. They're, they're now two games up on Buffalo, which you think will mean they have the tiebreaker on them. This is another chance to get a team sort of down. You know, the Steelers are right there. I think they're four and three. Yes. Yep. Um, so you're five and two. 
now it's a chance to sort of get them to where, okay, now you've got to get three more on us. Uh, and those things will start mattering pretty soon. Well, and, you know, you, you hope to get Walker Little and Zay Jones back on the practice field this week. And Devon Hamilton's practicing again. I don't know if he plays this week or if they wait till after the bye. But he's a player that makes your defense, which is already playing so well, Guy, that much better. I mean, there's real reasons for optimism for this team. And if they're ahead of schedule and we're optimistic, mm-hmm. man, they're doing something right. Yeah, they have it set up. It's always nice to go into the bye week on a win, too, so I'm going to hope for that. But we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the Steelers game a little bit later on in the week. We'll see you right back here on Jags AM on Wednesday.